0: hey welcome to the go to physio podcast the podcast that helps you get real world results with real people while also helping you become the go-to therapist in your town i hope you enjoy the show Hey, welcome to episode number six of the Go To Physio podcast. My name is Dave O'Sullivan. And in today's episode, we're going to now take a step back again and we're gonna actually show you how to apply what we've talked about in the previous episode, especially about patient expectations, and more importantly, how to design the treatment plan after the initial assessment. So one of the big things that, you know after mentoring well over 275 therapists now um, all over the world from pro sport to private practice is one of the biggest things initially um you know when i chat to therapists to make sure that they're a good fit to to work with us is um, a lot of therapists they kind of they they just plow through the initial assessment and they just kind of get straight into um you know treatment so they they'll you know go through the assessment give a vague kind of um explanation of of what the thing's happening, and then just plow into the the hands-on treatment. And I think that can be a big pitfall in that we don't have genuine Clarity in where we're trying to get this patient uh, from, which is here in the the here and now, to to where they actually want to get to, and that's what I want to dissect um, in today's episode and talk um, about the importance of that, but also how to to actually do it. So, after the the subjective assessment, you know the in module one in the go to therapist mentorship, we we um, spend a lot of time on asking the right questions to elicit the right information. And one of the big things after that you know, in, in that module that I, I really stress is actually, you know, in the coaching calls in particular, I talk a lot about it is, is being able to sit back and trust that you can process the information and listen to the person's story rather than, you know, worrying about scribbling down VAS's and ags and, and eases and stuff like that. And I see that happen too many times um, with, with kind of therapists when they come in is that they're so focused on actually you know, writing down stuff rather than genuinely listening. And when you genuinely listen to the person's story, that's going to be in itself is going to give you big clues of where you want to get them back to. So designing the treatment plan, essentially, it starts in the subjective assessment because in the subjective assessment, we get a lot of information about what they're struggling in daily life, what they're struggling with um, and where they want to get back to those movements, okay, that they're telling you, the activities, the environments, all of that stuff, it's just movement, okay? So there and then, before we even look at the, the objective assessment, that's giving you big clues of to where we wanna get that patient to. So make sure that you elicit the information that you need and you're crystal clear, even before you start the objective assessment. As we've gone through the objective assessment, then you've made sense of how that person's movement strategies have adapted as a result of their story. So what the objective assessment is doing, it's ultimately just making sense of their story. Okay, whereas I see a lot of therapists, they're so busy writing, they just skim past the subjective and then they're trying to make, you know, some, you know, random diagnosis based on what they see um, just in front of them based on, on two or three tests. Okay, whereas actually, you know, what you're seeing there is a reaction to that, that person's movement strategies. Okay. Now, in the, in the coming episodes, we're going to talk a lot more about the, how the respiratory system in particular affects the musculoskeletal system. So what you might have as a weak glute after your assessment or, you know, decreased hip flexion or whatever it could be very much a reaction to what's happening at the ribcage and the diaphragm. And that's coming up in episode eight, um, in a couple of episodes time. Okay, so it's very, very important that we look at the person and we understand the person, the person's needs and wants before we even design a treatment plan, okay? So after the initial assessment, what I like to have is I like to have um, the a list probably of peripheral tissues for myself. Now this isn't, I'm not communicating this to the patient, this is what's kind of gone on in, in my head, but I've got a list of peripheral tissues that I think are contributing to um, the person's pain experience. Okay. So again, um, you know, we want to decrease that pain experience. So there's going to be a couple of, of tissues that are going to be key. Now, what I don't want to do is just treat the first tissue that, that I see. Okay. So again, I want to ask myself higher level questions. Why are these tissues behaving like this? Why is there sev- sensitivity maybe around this area? Why isn't the person loading this area? Okay. Now, after the objective assessment, I've got a three-step process that I use to to get there. The the big, big thing that I want after the initial assessment is what directions, okay, are is the nervous system maybe struggling to to load? Okay, what areas of the body does the person's uh, nervous system not want to 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 load with particular movements? Now, there's there's so many ways we we can get that person to to um to do basic assessments in order to elicit this information. Okay, I keep it very simple. We do a very generic objective on you know them standing, doing various movements. But again, it's not just going through the movements for the sake of it. There's a lot of higher level clinical reasoning going on and we're asking ourselves questions as the, the person's doing it. The part of the movement that the person gets pain is, is gonna give us big clues as well. After that, when they jump on the bed, we get an idea of some peripheral tissues that um, that may um, have some protective tone, that the nervous system has is, is bogged down, which is presenting as decreased range of motion or or whatever that is, okay, that, that you're seeing on the bed or pain or etc. The directions of loading. We've got ways to do actual quantitative testing, and again, the directions are going to be the big thing for me. So again, you know, for the vast majority of people, it's going to be some you know movements in terms of a squat, a lunge, a push, or a pull. That's everyday life. What we need to do is we need to break down um, the directions that maybe aren't doing their, job, their job's great, so that's maybe causing other areas of the body to maybe or other muscles or other tissues to maybe do a little bit more work than than they would like to. Okay, so after the initial assessment, internally, in my head, I've got the the peripheral tissues that I'm going after that I think are the the kind of the the higher level tissue, so to speak, that I think are contributing the most towards this pain experience, but I also have the directions of loading that that I wanna give back the body an ability to um, to tolerate load too, okay, which will then hopefully desensitize or de-load, if you will, the, the painful tissues. Now. The big thing with that, obviously, is that needs to um, make sense from that person's story. But not only that, how we do that, that's gonna be essential that we integrate these movements into, or integrate, uh, loading these tissues into movements that are specific to helping that person be successful in the real world. So before we even design the treatment plan, okay, uh, we need to know what the end goal is for the patient. What do they want to get back to? okay because if you don't know the end goal then you know how are you going to take that first step and know that you're going in the right direction hey I hope you're enjoying today's show for more clinical content and tips to help you implement this content in the real world please visit the go to for more information including my six-step patient adherence checklist which you can download for free and also there's more blog content that helps you implement this stuff in the real world. You'll also find links to my YouTube show, The Go To Physio Show, as well as lots of more information to help you become the go-to therapist, helping real patients get real results in the real world. Okay, it's like me being, um, let's say, let's go back to Ireland, okay, me being in Dublin, and I'm trying to get to Cork, okay? Well, you know, I could easily get into the car and start driving, I could end up in Belfast. Okay. So again, you need to know where the end goal is before you take that first step to know that you're going in the right direction. And ultimately, you know, from sessions one, two, three, four, five, and six, or up to ten or twelve or whatever, you know, amount of sessions you're gonna need, depending on the, the the patient and the presentation. Each each session should be just a progression ultimately greater exposure in getting that person to be able to tolerate the levels of load and the speed of movement that they need to be able to do in real life, whether that's sprinting, changing direction, tackling for professional athlete, whether that's, you know, being able to garden for an hour and and lift the kettle and lift something above their their head to put into the cupboard, if that's a private practice patient, a non patient, that's fine. But how we get from point A, which is where we are now with the patient, with all these movement adaptations, with this sensitivity present, to where we want to get them to, where they can move with thoughtless, fearless movement, um, with with good movement variability and good movement options, and and have resilience so that when you know in times of high level stress they can still um, you know, move with good movement variability, that's the the key thing. And ultimately sessions two, three, four, five, and six, it's just a common sense, step-by-step progressive pathway, okay? So again, the, the biggest thing for designing your treatment plan has to be where are you going to? Where do you wanna get them back to? And then I personally, before designing session, the last session, and then working backwards from that okay so what do i need to be able to do before i can they can garden for an hour what do i need to to do before that what do i need to be able to do before that what do i need to be able to do before that now there's a lot of value in asking yourself that question because when you ask yourself that question as you design the treatment plan you're actually going to get your brain working for you okay and you a lot of the answers are actually going to come to you in your head as you start asking yourself these questions okay now even um, you know, when you're explaining this to the patient, you know, in my opinion, there, um, there, there's a, um, a very easy way to do this, which we call effective explanation in the mentorship. We do a whole module on that, um, which I'm not going to get into um, in too much detail today, out of respect for people who are actually in the mentorship but um, and who have um, invested in the mentorship. But in a nutshell, um, what the person needs to be able to understand is basically the, the plan, okay? And, and that's all they, they want to know ultimately is that there's a plan in place, okay? And they wanna know why they're doing these exercises, why are they of value to them as a person, not just to get their back strong or get their glutes strong, but at them as a, a human being, and how this is gonna help them get back to to where they wanna be, okay? so that process always start at the end, okay, where do I wanna get them back to? And then the, the second last session, if you will, okay, or your second last progression is just, it's, um, it's a movement probably that's gonna be very similar, but just a little bit less load or a little bit less speed, okay. Speed and, and load are, are two variables that I use a lot, because again, I'm a, you know, I think that once you, you increase the speed of movement, your coordination demands are gonna change massively, okay? Because again, muscles can only produce a certain amount of force, a certain speed, certain lengths, uh, a certain uh, resting lengths. So how we do the movement, whether we do the movement slow, whether we do the movement fast, that needs to be taken into account, okay? And again, you, you've probably heard me talk a lot about that in, in other resources as well, okay? So how to design the treatment plan after the initial assessment? From the subjective assessment and the objective assessment, we've got um, the big one, big elephant in the room, where do they wanna get back to, what's the end goal? And then um, from there, then you should be able to clinically reason a step-by-step progressive program to get them back to that within that three, four, five, six sessions, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever your amount your is. Now, for a lot of therapists, they're gonna feel uncomfortable. They're, they're not gonna feel confident prescribing. Well, you know what? This is gonna probably take six sessions. Well. That, a lot of that comes down to, um, you know, the fact that we haven't been prepared for this. You, you, um, that's, it. when I talk about that, I talk about private practice. You go into a pro sports setting, that's our bread and butter, okay? Um. When an injury happens, okay, again, I'm working with, with um, you know, very high-profile organization at the moment. When an injury happens, the coach wants to know what's the plan. Uh, when he's gonna be back, when's he back training, when's he gonna be doing this, this, and this, okay? So for pro sport physios, that's bread and butter. I've been very fortunate to work in pro sport all my professional career. So um, what I've done is I've, um, in the mentorship, is I've taken the, the skills that I've learned in pro sport and I've put them into private practice. And we, we treat, you know, whether it's a non-sporting patient or, or an amateur, we treat them exactly like we would with, with our pro sport athletes where we tell them from session one, this is the prognosis, this is how many sessions honestly I'm gonna take, I think it's gonna take, and this is the plan. Okay, and what we found is when you do that patients love it because you've taken the, the fear, the unknown, the uncertainty, and you've actually shown them that you've got a plan in place to get them from point A to point B Contrast that with a therapist who gets the patient and does the initial assessment, tells them what's, you know, what the thing's up with them. And then they just get them lying on the bed and they stick their elbow in them, et cetera. They take the money at the end, they go, right, I'll see you next week at, at this time, okay? Again, there's no structure there, there's no plan. And, you know, is it any wonder then after two, three sessions when maybe they don't make the gains or the progress that they want, that 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 patient cancels, they make their excuses, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, I'm working when actually what they really mean is I've lost trust in you and I don't think you can, you can get me to where I wanna be because what I wanna do is I wanna get back playing golf, I wanna get back gardening and all you're talking to me about is, um, you know, my hip hip being tight, you know, how does that um, have anything to do with, with me playing golf or getting back gardening, okay? So again, that it's a very very important point and it's something you know i would urge you to go back to the previous podcast where we set expectations so you know what we're really doing here when we design the treatment plan after the initial assessment is we're holding ourselves accountable okay to ourselves and also to the patient okay now if you don't have the confidence to do this initially with a patient then what i would do is i would put yourself under a little bit of pressure and actually you know, give yourself a prognosis with, with a new patient, go right, this is gonna be the treatment plan. You don't have to communicate to, this, to the patient if you don't feel confident enough, but I would urge you with every patient to do this from now on is design the treatment plan. So this is where I want them to be in session two. This is where I expect them to be a three, four, five, and then we should have them discharged a six, seven, or eight, or whatever it, it is, okay? And I think you'll be very surprised at how quickly you'll, you'll progress with that. If you wanna speed it up, Obviously that's what the mentorship is there for. It's there to save you time, money and effort. And it's obviously um, there first and foremost to give you confidence and clarity to design a treatment plan from from the initial assessment right through to the high level rehab, okay? So again, a lot of this stuff is is done for you, Um, but it's it's not only done for you um, in terms of showing you what to do, it's empowering you how to do this and make it specific for a person because again this isn't just a cookbook recipe of right do this this and this it's empowering you with the skills to clinically reason and actually make you think higher level critical thinking questions that's going to elicit the information that you need and make sense of the person that's in front of you okay because again to. Uh, two people can present with the same symptoms, knee pain, but their stories can be very, very different, and what's driving that knee pain can be very, very different as well. Which is why, for me, in the mentorship, it's all about empowering you to have the clinical reasoning and actually figure out, um, understand why we're doing things, rather than just showing you what to what to do okay so there's plenty of hands-on treatment there's plenty of rehab exercises there's plenty of assessments there's plenty of subjective assessments but the big thing is that the higher level thinking and and support okay so hopefully you found that helpful today any questions um you know feel free to to get in touch i appreciate this is slightly different way of looking at the body than, than certainly i was taught in, in university i respect that and you know um i appreciate you having an open mind and um, you know, as I said, if this is um a little bit different to, to your current reality, I appreciate your your open mindedness and, and your attention. So that's it for today. Um I'll have a, a short video as well on the blog. Um I'll, Showing you kind of how we do this in, in the practical terms. Make sure you head over to the gotophysio.com forward slash blog. And you can also pick up my six step patient adherence checklist as well, which I think is going to be very important as well. And will really complement this episode. So make sure you, you download that as well. And in the next episode, we're gonna go back to uh, clinical applications. I'm gonna talk a lot more about terminal knee extension exercises and if they are a good idea. And also coming up, um, the episode after that, I'm gonna talk about the importance of diaphragm and cage mobility for low back, groin, and hip pain patients. So we've got lots of clinical content coming up in the next um, couple of episodes. So make sure you subscribe, uh, whether it's on iTunes, uh, whether it's on Stitcher or, or whatever, I'll make sure you um, you are on our, our email uh, list so that we can let you know when the new episodes are coming out. Okay, so that's it for today. I appreciate your attention and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information, please visit www.thegotophysio.com where you can download my six step patient adherence checklist absolutely free, as well as read the accompanying blog that goes with today's episode. We've got lots of cheat sheets and clinical content to help you implement, to get real world results with real patients that ultimately helps you become the go-to therapist and allows you to build a profitable, busy private practice or become that go-to therapist in professional sport. I'll speak to you soon on the next episode.